welcome to Gospel Central, where we discuss topics that will encourage Christians to live their lives in such a way that is pleasing to God. We are specifically interested to know how the very centre of the Christian faith, that is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, empowers us to live such lives. We are your hosts, I'm Ed. And I'm Simon. And we are so glad they are joining us today. And Simon, uh, what are we talking about today? Do you know what we're talking about today? I do know what we're talking about. We're going to talk about family. Uh, right. One big happy family. Well, we're going to talk about the church actually and how the church is the family of God, but how mm-hmm. that family uh, actually helps us to think about how we live in our natural families and live faithfully um, in those natural families. And I know that at the time that we are talking, uh, we are planning uh, to have a sermon series on the church family and the natural family, right? Um, and you are kind of the brains behind the series, so could you unpack for us what is the thinking and you know what are thinking about? Why why do we actually need to talk about this? Isn't this like easy for us to? Isn't it easy thing and for us to think about the church family? It's a church family, and our our family is our family. Yep, uh, in some ways the concepts are not particularly difficult, but mm-hmm. I think particularly in, during a time of COVID where we've seen a lot of people, number one, spending a lot of time with their uh, families because they're stuck at home or maybe isolated from family because they're separated from them. We've certainly seen a number of people in the church um, just seeing tension points around family. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to talk a little bit about that and how the scripture Mm. informs our view of family. I think particularly in the area of like family discipleship, uh, what the purpose of family is, what God intends for families to be, uh, fathers discipling their children, etc. So that's one aspect to it. And then the other aspect would just be that church as a family has been so disrupted during the pandemic because mm-hmm. uh, as we shared in a previous episode, even if you do get content delivery in terms of like worship and right. singing, the experience of the body and the church being a family has been severely disrupted. And so I guess we just want to make sure that category is clear in our minds and we understand how that works. So that's the thinking. Does that make sense? I guess it makes sense, which means uh, not to come for physical service, not to belabor the point. It's a little bit like just zooming a family and never coming for a re- reunion dinner. That's exactly right. Or getting your family to just uh, you know dapao or send food over to you, and uh, uh, yeah. you kind of call them up, but it's not going to be the same experience. So exactly, exactly. Uh, well, we know that the Bible actually used um, the word family in many different ways. Uh, I think you mentioned about how uh, it's actually referring to the church family, where. I think that's why, for example, in the New Testament, for those who are Christians, we call each other brothers and sisters because we have one Father in God. And uh, I think that's the basis of how we are one family in the church. But um, the Bible at the same time also recognizes that there's such a thing as your natural family or family of origin where you do have those whom you are related to either by virtue or by blood or sometimes by adoption, or legally so, we understand. Uh, right. that there's some nuances here, but th- those who can classify to be your natural family. Um, do you think that there's actually any kind of um, tension or ra- that scripture actually shows us about the, the relationship between these two spheres in our lives, so to speak? That's a great question. I think ideally, from a biblical point of view, there shouldn't be a tension. And mm-hmm. if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, there was no mm-hmm. tension in the Garden of Eden initially mm-hmm. right. because um, Adam and Eve's natural family uh, mm-hmm. was not distinct from their spiritual family with God as, 
as their father. So they were right. both husband and wife, but they were brothers and sisters in the faith too, mm-hmm. so to speak. But I think it's when sin enters the world that mm-hmm. we do see a fracturing of those two things. So obviously natural family continues. We still have mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters in the natural, um, but we are separated from God. And so we're not actually a part of uh, his family until his grace comes to make us part of his family. And even then, when we do get reconciled to God as our father, that doesn't mean that our natural families actually are part of God's kingdom. They may or may not be part of God's kingdom. And so in some sense, we find ourselves as Christians legitimately part of two families, one natural and one spiritual. And we know in Revelation, those two will overlap again perfectly. But now we're kind of living uh, in a time of tension where um, depending on your family situation, you may have natural families that are believers or not, but every person at some level is at least part of two um, families. So maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about how we experience those tensions or just from your own experience, uh, how you've uh, found this given that your natural family, as far as I understand, um, are not actually part of God's kingdom yet, though we're praying that they will certainly become part of his kingdom. Um, but you have your own uh, family now with uh, Shu Yi and your four kids. So tell us a little bit about how you experienced that tension. Yeah, I think this is, um, that's an interesting question, right? Um, so for my own family, uh, yeah, you, you're right. I do come from a family that's um, a very traditional Chinese family. Um, and most of my family members are not Christians. Uh, sad to say that I'm still the only Christian in the family. And I think that even more natural tensions or even antagonisms in, in some sense um, between the two spheres in my life because of that, I mean, um, they have very, very different values, for example, um, because my natural family would actually emphasize on, for example, achievement, success, being a criteria for your identity, for your value. Okay. Whereas uh, we know that the spiritual family of God teaches us that we are accepted by grace and not by our works. And, and there's a really a t- real tension between the two. So even, and I think that, and out of that, um, different values and worldview you, you can imagine that even in the in the realm of morality or of of ethics there are actually very very different uh, systems in place so they, they create a lot of problems I mean um, even when I wanted to become a pastor um, you know it's met with some level of opposition from my own family uh, because of how they view the value of the work I'm about to enter into etc um, and um, it is there's a kind of price to pay right as you want as you actually then turn your so to speak from their point of view turning your backs on them although you do still want to love them in Jesus and but you but then from their point of view you are kind of turning your backs on, on them to follow Jesus and really saying goodbye or departing from the values that uh, the That's things right. that the family cherish um, but even for my own family now I mean um, so Shui and I of course we are both um, serving in church and uh, we are trying to bring our kids um, as um, we're not saying that they're Christians uh, we are, we're praying for their salvation but our, our, we say that we are, our kids are growing up in what is called a Christian family um, we read the Bible together we pray together uh, we do sort of quote-unquote Christian things together but even that um, I, I maybe you can share more with us later on because you grew up in the Christian family I have not but even from our point of view there's definitely a lot of tension 
And one, one clear tension is, as Christian parents is actually to constant battle, constantly battle in our minds that this idea that our children ultimately belongs to God and not to us. Mm. And not to us. Which is something that we battle, right? Because we, while, while it is true that I have, in a sense, um, differed with my or family of origin about their values and culture, but I still bring some of that actually into my own life right now. Yeah, it's not really. as if like I'm like super more righteous than they are. Right. Right. I mean, if you ask me, do I still hope for my children to go to Harvard, to go to good schools? Absolutely. <laughs> and so am I actually being tempted you're a good, to... You're a good Asian dad. I'm a good Asian dad. Exactly. Right. And I want to be a good Asian dad. And there's a part of me that fears being a failure of being a good Asian dad. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but so I, am I tempted to be confused between these categories? Of like, for example, um, my eldest taking PSI this year. Would I, f would I struggle with the idea that I might be, I might feel as a dad if she somehow didn't do well in the PSI in the end? I think I do. At some level, I do. And I need then to actually struggle with the idea that look, in the end, her life ultimately belongs to God. But my responsibility in her life is actually not so much to help her succeed mm. academically speaking, although I think I can and I should. But the primary measure. Is basically whether I've actually imparted the gospel into her life and helped her to know Jesus. That's actually the real main measure. And anything remember that. And I think it's it's not easy. So I think the tension really in that sense is in my heart. Yes. And not so much in the relationships I have with my children, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um I think when we're talking about this series, we were looking back at Genesis one and how part of the purpose of family there was that um God gave Adam and Eve to each other and there are many things that they're going to do but part of their covenant and their love together uh, their consummation of their love and their covenant results in children mm -hmm. and those are image bearers and God mm -hmm. says you know multiply fill the earth with these image bearers that mm -hmm. are going to live for, for, for my glory and so in one sense see our family part of our mission as family is to is to live for God's glory mm -hmm. be his image bearers um, steward creation for, for his good show the world what his character is and what his nature is like mm. and so when you start to think about the purpose of family from a biblical point of view that does um yeah i guess have a lot of bearing on the values that we naturally grow up with right mm -hmm. from a western point of view those stereotypical values could be things like self-expression freedom individualism um you know you just be whoever you feel you are right um from an asian point of view that would probably be a lot more achievement and success defined in terms of the approval of the uh, like extended family community, for example, Absolutely. based on these things. Yeah, that's right. So, so every culture's got its own kind of visions of mm. success, but the scripture saying hold on, success is to actually know God and to live for Him and display His glory, and that's that primary category that we have. I think you 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 uh, mentioned uh, that I was brought up in a Christian family. It's true. I think uh, as much as for me, the the Christian f being brought up in a Christian family was a was a massive blessing. We know that the ultimate purity or the purest form of family is only going to really be experienced when we get to heaven. Right. So even in the most fantastic Christian family, there's still the presence of sin. No doubt you grew up in a fantastic household. Um, but there still is the presence of sin and brokenness and mm -hmm. a sense of really needing God's grace in all of our lives and how we relate to one another. Mm -hmm. And so we continue to see that um, both in my immediate family now here in Singapore with our three kids, but also in my extended family too. But I think another aspect that I think about family from a Christian point of view, sorry, having been brought up in a Christian family, 
and then my family now is that you know our f- my wife and I and our two kids at the time left South Africa to come to Singapore to plant and for the last 13 years we haven't had our natural family our parents and siblings with us my parents had lived here for two years of that time mm-hmm. but otherwise we actually haven't had family here mm-hmm. and the scriptures do talk about how when you do leave your family for the sake of the gospel whether that's because your family don't believe right and now you have to embrace new values or whether it's actually because you're going on mission somewhere for the sake of the gospel god actually does reward you and bless you by giving mm. you his family his people and that promise is very real to us right um we've hardly had any christmases birthdays um uh, Easter weekends with our natural family uh, in the last 13 years. Um, it's just not possible for us, right? right. But here at RHC, God really has given us family mm. and people in the church who really are like brothers and sisters and I mean, people that we almost refer to as being like family to us. Right. Um, and that is such a precious gift. So yes. I, I guess the point is that when the scriptures talk about the church being a family it's not just a substitute in case your earthly family is not quite ideal Mm. actually this is another category that god gives us to enrich us and to help us really become more and more like our father in heaven Mm. and regardless of how great our natural family is or not we really need the church as a family so maybe i can ask you ed how have you uh, uh, on that note how have you seen the church as a family help you or encourage you to, in one sense, maybe be an even more faithful, natural family member to your parents and siblings? I hear your question, but even before I answer that, I was thinking about maybe just zooming out a little bit even. It's like, um, there is, actually at one level, because of sin, there is and there is a real antithesis between the natural family and the spiritual family. Yes. Um, and I think it's in the arena of allegiance. Uh, that's why, for example, Jesus is something like if if one does not actually, he uses very strong language like hate, right, or to leave your father and mother and brothers sisters and follow me, right? You're you're not worthy to be my disciple. There's actually a very fundamental either or at the moment. Yes. This is your ultimate allegiance cannot be to your own family of origin. Right. It must actually be to God Himself. It must be to the allegiance must be to Jesus Himself. And in that some sense that has to do with the dynamic between the spiritual family and the natural family. Because if the spiritual family not to say that all of them are going to be healthy, but if it's healthy then they are more aligned in their allegiance to Jesus. Yes. And and, and hence, there, then there's that, that, there's that fundamental tension between uh, the spiritual family and the natural family. But on the other hand, I think that which just comes to your question, is trying to, I think this is where you're trying to get to, which is that um, even though there's that fundamental either or in terms of allegiance, but it doesn't mean that because we are determined to only, to only have um, to only follow Jesus, uh, to only own Him as the Lord of our lives, then that means that we completely cut off, cut ourselves off from our family of origin. Rather, it's almost like that relationship with Jesus actually transforms 
the way that we actually relate to our natural family. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah. And and I think um, one of the ways, but having said that, let me just come back to the question, which is how does the spiritual family and help me to really relate more faithfully to my natural family? I think one of the ways really is um, because of sin and because of our finitude, um, we can easily be so blinded to think that the way that we do things in just as a very simple practical level, right? Which is the way we think that the way we do things in our family of origin is the way. That's right. But actually now, because I'm involved in a much larger family, and I'm actually now in, in touch with many other people whom I can actually see firsthand how their families are actually working and running. Yes. And that somehow then reflects light on how we do things as a family. And then I see blind spots in my own family. Yes. Right? I see, um, for example, one of the things that I have seen you model so well is, um, um, I remember being very stuck by this. I, I never told you this, but it's like whenever, I think earlier years in RSC, when I go to your place and the way that you will serve your kids, you will you will ask Rory or, or Tyra, why is it that you want, want to eat? You know, and ask in such gentle tones. And like, okay, I'm getting this for you. Okay, I just watching you do that. I was like, oh my goodness. I've never seen a dad do that kind of thing before. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I think that, that, that uh, I would like to say that that made me a more faithful dad. Maybe it did. But I would like to say that I look at that as like, wow, this is something I actually want to learn. I want to learn to serve my kids. Not in this exactly same way, but it reminded me of the need to say, hey, that's what it looks like. Because in my family of origin, that never happened. Okay. For example. Yeah, that's right. So I think um, th this can play out in so many different ways. Uh, I think all of our families are totally enriched by seeing the way that other families engage with their kids. And so even amongst those of us who are Christians and follow Jesus, we need to learn from one another. I have learned so much regarding discipling my kids mm. and spending time with them and mm. teaching them the faith from other families at RHC. Mm. So I've been incredibly enriched by the spiritual family in terms of right. how I disciple my kids. That's, it's really helped me a huge amount. But I think also for those um, that are listening that are maybe part of natural families, maybe you've grown up and you're part of a natural family that's particularly difficult. There's maybe fractured relationships mm. uh, and maybe you find it very difficult to honor your parents. I think there's a sense in which yeah, the gospel by reconciling us to God really fills us with a sense of God's grace and mercy. Right. Um, helps us to see how much he's loved us and actually fills us with a love for our parents mm. and an ability to honor them even if we don't agree with everything that they say or do. Right. Uh, I think the church in teaching us to honor our parents and to love our neighbors, which include our, our, our families, actually helps us to be more faithful sons and daughters in a sense um, to our to our earthly parents uh, and we understand that that faithfulness is is defined by God but this speaks to a, a broader issue which is that sometimes when we think about how the gospel comes into our natural cultures we think the gospel will kind of turn it upside down or destroy our culture but I think one of the things we often talk about from a gospel centered point of view mm. is that the gospel in one sense should make us able to live out the best values of our culture in right. an even richer and deeper and better way. So mm. an example that I remember is hearing some of our friends who've planted churches in Japan mm. talk about how uh, there are many Japanese values 
that are particularly beautiful, a sense of humility, mm. uh, deference to one another, etc., etc., and how people worry that if the gospel comes into Japan, they will lose the essence of what it means to really be Japanese. Right. And often Christian pastors there are having to explain to people, actually, the gospel comes and it takes some of those best parts of being Japanese and actually purifies it in a sense or actually enables you to be even truer to those values, but mm. in a slightly redeemed way, in like a gospel right. way. And yeah. I, I think there's a sense in which maybe for Chinese families, you could speak to how this idea of filial piety, loving and honoring your parents, is not just entirely like thrown out of the window by the gospel, but actually maybe purified or redeemed or um, adjusted in some ways that enables us to love our parents, maybe not particularly in the way that they may always want or receive, but certainly in a, in a very deep way from our hearts. Yeah, and I think that the I think one of the things that the gospel really helps in um, the kind of Chinese cultural situation is that um, um, I think what it does is that it, it sort of redefines filial piety from a mere, a mere behavioral dimension Okay. Into something that's closer to the heart. That's a beautiful way to describe right. it. It's, it's, I think, right? Because um, otherwise, it's, uh, usually it will be defined more in terms of um, the things you do, which is why it has a lot of focus on the rituals and the ceremonies and these things that, that, that surround the markers of what it means to be filial, um, to be a filial son. But it doesn't actually always transform into really the desire now i know that that may not always be possible for i found i don't find that easy to talk with my parents but why i really want to pursue my parents is that kind of uh, conversations and and talk there's actually a level of the heart there's a level of motivations i want to know uh why they are who they are right and and i think that is, that is actually not often, that's not common, I feel, in amongst Chinese families. I think at least one of the very things that um, for myself is that um, because I have, I mean, one pra practical thing that happened is because I see myself as a sinner and I know that I'm, I'm sinful. Um, and what, why is that helpful is because it helped me to be more patient mm. towards the failings of my parents, mm. for example. Right. Instead of being angry with them, although <laughs> I will not, I'll be lying to you to say that I never did in the, in the last 10 years or so. But you understand them more. You understand, ah, okay, he's angry about this thing. That's because of something else is going on in his heart. You, you can be more compassionate towards him. You can be, be more patient. You, you understand it better. You, it, is, does, it doesn't make it easier to bear with it in some sense. Um, although, um, what I mean is that it does give you more insight and understanding so that you can actually still bear it better. So I think that's one of the ways that it really transformed my relationship with my dad and um, overcoming my fear of him, for example. That's also another part that's different as well. Because filial piety sometimes can masquerade as kind of the... What, what really masquerades or, or hide is actually a real carnal and servile fear of parents, right? And which is kind of like 
It's actually not healthy for our parents because you treat them like quote unquote gods, but then whereas in reality they are not. They're not infallible, they're not always right. right. And it's not loving to them as well to treat them as such. They need to be told some things they're wrong because of out of love, not because you want to shame them or you want to like, denigrate them at all. But sometimes it's difficult. I mean, for example, recently, um, uh, well, I mean, sorry, not to go in my own story. Can you please edit that out? But then to, um, in situations, especially when you're older, older folks, and you want to help them to um, go for medical checkups, etc. And they're very insistent. They're very, they're very stubborn. And look, for their, for their good, you want them to do certain things and make certain decisions. It's difficult for them to do. And you need to confront them. And if you allow filial piety to kind of like, like prevent you from going to all those conflict situations, you may end up actually not loving your parents as much as you should. These are, these, these are very real things. Absolutely. Uh, it really is beautiful to see how the gospel operates on a heart level, which means that our care and love for our families and our parents in particular, like you're saying in this Asian context, can really spring from the heart and not just be those, those external acts. Um, and I think that is how the gospel works in us to, to help us be, in a sense, even more uh, faithful to our families too. I think another way that the spiritual family helps us in our natural families is if our natural families are believers, whether that's our children, certainly our spouses, um, or maybe our parents if they are, we also can relate to them not just as in through the dimension of natural family, but also as spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, where we're seeing that there's a common goal that we're heading toward. Uh, it gives us a sense that we're all saved by grace and we're speaking the truth and love to one another too, which actually can take some of the, I guess, tension out of some of the traditional roles that we may play, maybe particularly with uh, parents or with our children too. Mm. So for example, uh, as Christian mm. parents, the fact that you know we are not always right and always the ones just Absolutely. giving um, commands to our children, but actually we can model repentance, um, mm -hmm. apologizing for getting things wrong, mm. Uh, modeling that we actually need to ask God to forgive us mm. um, and including like asking our children to pray for our character and our and our own growth mm. um, so that's something that our family's been trying to do when we do our family devotions is just go around and ask for prayer requests and Tara and I are trying to model actually asking our kids to pray for character things inside of us um, not just you know difficult meetings this week but maybe temptations that I've got or for me to be more patient and yeah, that really models to the kids that right. we as parents are completely fallible and all need God's grace too, which is a beautiful dimension to bring yeah. into our, our natural families. Absolutely. I think that what you say about, it's very disarming, I think, for Asian kids to see that their parents are able to say sorry and apologize and repent. I think it's, it's very disarming and it really shows that we are living under the authority of God. Mm. I think that's something that really we want to see more and more coming into natural families in Asia. We've only got another two or three minutes, but why don't we take a moment to talk about how the church can really be a family for those who don't have um, maybe natural or any kind of family here. Um, in Singapore, we think about people who maybe are growing older, maybe don't have spouses, don't have children, uh, and how the church really gets to fold these people mm. not into just our spiritual life but even mm. into natural families too by having people mm. around uh so do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience of doing that here at rhc yeah i think our primary is uh we do that through being hospitable and encouraging others too i think both by modeling it and talking about it um 
I wanted to say this earlier actually, but I once said to um, members in RSC that I think that my, my kids are some of the most blessed kids on earth because of the sheer number of uncles and aunties they have in their lives. Yeah. It's not something that I would, I would exchange for at all. It's a blessing that I have never have foreseen, but it's a blessing that I really, really uh, receive well because I think I can see that's actually helpful to the kids to have so many adults involved in their lives to care for them. And they, they feel true that they feel deeply loved and cared for. It's, it's amazing. And, but at the same time, um, but that's actually what we do. We um, have folks over for dinner and they watch us either scramble to get a dinner ready as a family. Sometimes they have to wait. <laughs> and sometimes they see me disciplining my kids even, even though they are there. Um, and, and I think it's part of parcel actually of just living our lives before that. We don't try, kind of try and make it... I mean, you do have to respect some boundaries, I, I think, at some point. But then you, when, you, when your boundaries are a bit looser, you allow people to enter in your life and you model for them what the family looks like. And at the same time, it helps them to feel included, especially for those, as you mentioned, who, are not, who may not have a natural family of their own for, due to various reasons. Yeah. I know that many of those in our church love the fact that they get invited around to be w with families. So it's one way that like, yeah, families can really welcome in others and be a blessing to them. Mm. But on the other hand, as you say, mm. the wonderful kingdom dynamic that happens is that when a family like yours invites singles or other people into their home for meals, in one sense, it could look like you are blessing those people by inviting them in. But the reality is actually you end up getting even more blessed because yep. of the richness and the relationships. And as you say, your children end up growing up knowing these older men and women who love Jesus as well. Yes. And for my family here in Singapore, that has been one of the biggest blessings for us too, that our kids know tons and tons of people of all ages who are following Jesus, who they're role models and examples. Mm -hmm. There are people in our church that our kids can go and pour their hearts out to and right. we really are like discipling them. And yep. that doesn't... Uh, remove that responsibility from Taryn and I but it's it is so comforting to know that as my teenage kids are going through yeah, mm. some of those difficult years mm. they have like godly people in their lives who love them who've walked to them for years mm. and are not giving them spiritual advice it is it's so tremendous so it's just a beautiful picture um, of what the church is like mm. so maybe one uh, w maybe we can wrap up by me asking you mm -hmm. any advice for our listeners in terms of how they can try and cultivate kind of deeper bonds in the church that uh, yeah, will help to bring about some of the blessings of these relationships that God's given us? I think um, to use a book title by Rosaria Butterfield, The Gospel Comes with a Key. That's right, The House Key. The House Key. And I guess um, part of it is just doing a simple step of inviting people into to meals. I mean, uh, in Singapore's context, it could be just inviting people for meals before and after service. It could be arranging someone to come over to your place for mid-week mid uh, dinner, you know, and you don't have to just set specific agendas. It can just be a simple meal, just an extra pair of chopsticks or whatever and, and just have normal conversations. And sometimes you'll be surprised at where, where, where they actually lead you to. And um, of course, um, be open to be invited as well. I think that's, uh, that's the other side. And, um, and as we see all of this, like um, different kind of invitations unfold, I think you'll just start to enjoy the deeper bonds that people, uh, that, that Christ is promising for his people. Beautiful. 
Thanks so much. Fantastic to chat today. For all of our listeners, we really trust that uh, it's been encouraging today and our encouragement is to really dive into the relationships in the church. Mm -hmm. They may start small, they may seem somewhat insignificant, but as time goes on, God uses those to enrich us in a profound way. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much. See you.